This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. Huggies Little Movers is their best-fitting diaper ever with its curved and stretchy fit. Babies, no matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers are curved with up to 12-hour protection against leaks. Get your baby butt in Huggies best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. This is about something that lights your fire when nothing else will. This is the Mark Devine Show. This show, we're going to discover and dive in and discuss what makes the world's most inspirational, compassionate, and resilient leaders so courageous. Transform the nature and functioning of our own brain for the better. Go put your virtues in action. Be the best version of yourself. Life is a practice. Day by day, get wiser and stronger and grow. How do you understand enough about your own mind and psychology and emotions and how you develop a reflective awareness practice to actually get in the driver's seat of your own mind? We go in-depth with people from all walks of life. Martial arts grandmasters, meditative monks, CEOs, military leaders, stoic philosophers, proud survivors, and more. Every episode turns our guests' grants into actionable insights that you can learn from and lead a life filled with compassion and courage. I started putting all these little tools in my pocket, started to reflect a lot and meditate. There has to be a balance between movement and rest. And it all starts with us. We cultivate these qualities in ourselves. We become a beacon of light for others in the world. Please join us on the journey. The Mark Devine Show. Hoo-yah. Hey guys, we've got a great CarCast episode for you today. We're going to talk about uh, the Porsche Experience Center in LA. I got a chance to go over there and drive some Porsches. And we're going to get into uh, a few other things, just like the Chevy Blazer and some more. But before we get started, here's Geico. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, and... No Adam Carolla today. Sorry about that. He's, uh, he's got his book coming out, and he's in New York doing the press tour for the book. But uh, it's good. We get to invite our good friend Brad Fanshaw back. Brad, as you know, is a, uh, my co-host on Shift and Steer, longtime friend. He's been, uh, he's been a beacon in the automotive space. for. Would you consider yourself a beacon? <laughs> More of a hood ornament. More of a More hood ornament. He's a hood ornament in the automotive space for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know you guys are – most of you guys are familiar with Brad. He's been on the show many times before and uh, maybe you listened to a little bit of CarCast. So, uh, yeah, so Brad and I are going to hold down the fort today. We're going to get into a few uh, into a few things. Um, I know that, uh, that Goldberg and I got into the Raptor R a bit this past, uh, this past week as well, so I wouldn't spend too much time onto that. I know we did it with uh, Shift and Steer this week as well, but it is the big news. The Raptor R, um, the specs on it seem fantastic. Uh, 700 horsepower, 640 pound-feet of torque compared to the TRX, 702 and 650. So right there, and uh, I, I mean – it's a big novelty item. It's going to be fun and, and all the tests of 
Raptor R versus TRX are going to be great. The interesting part is is the Ford's 400 pounds lighter, right, because the aluminum body and stuff. Although Goldberg pointed out something, and, uh, you know, in many states, these heavy SUVs can be registered as farm equipment, and there's usually very favorable, like, lease rates and stuff when you do that. So a lot of guys buy you know, f- Range Rovers, full-size Range Rover or f- Escalade, and, and they're like, oh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to lease it through my company. And, you know, you can do one lease for your company, and then you there's tax breaks because you can register it as farm equipment or and, and whatever. I don't know all the specifics on it. But Bill pointed you're out— You're right, though, because when I grew up in Nebraska, yeah. you, you would see trucks that said farm or, or commercial— and, uh, yeah, they did. They got, they got good rates on those. So Bill was questioning the minimum weight requirement. And maybe it varies from state to state. But he thought maybe in Texas it was 6,000 pounds. So he brought up an interesting point. The TRX is 6,395 pounds. The Raptor R, 5,950. You'd be 50 pounds short from getting that tax break. And I don't think you could go to them and go... no farm truck. Yeah, I don't think you could go back to them and go, well, I added big bumpers, you know, and, and a light bar. <laughs> I think it's factory weight, right? I don't, you know... Yeah, uh, it's as, as delivered. As delivered, not, yeah. Not what you add I, I mean, I don't know if that's 5950 dry weight. Can you make the argument that, you know, full tank of gas and fluids and everything, or do you tip the scales at over 6,000? Uh, that's that's a good question. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But do we really think that somebody's not gonna buy the R if they're in the market for it because they can't get it registered as a farm truck? No, but it might it might tip you over the edge on Raptor R versus TRX. Yeah, but uh, I I don't know. It's we're we're just back in the horsepower wars. We're back in the. I mean, whether it's it's Lamborghini versus uh, McLaren, all of that. You know, it's it's amazing to see these horsepower and and uh, foot pounds of torque that these vehicles are putting out now. Right. So we were talking about sort of the last hurrah of of high horsepower vehicles, like you know the Raptor R and the TRX and and uh, this Dodge Challenger E85 version, which now is rumored to be 909 horsepower. Uh, that as well. And then Bill brought up an interesting point. He asked me, what cars would you buy? And I'll ask you, Brad, what cars would you buy now? Not collect existing cars, new cars. You're going for the last bang, out with a bang on your gas engine cars, your ice cars. What cars you would you buy? Future collectibles? Maybe it's fun factor. Maybe it's collectible. Maybe it's whatever you want it to be. And obviously, price ranges vary from from reasonable to outrageous. But if you had to pick a, a, a few cars, what what, I, what I, do you think would be? If I get a few, a few, I like that. Yeah, I like that. let's say three but, could uh, go five. Whatever you want, three to five cars. You know, I mean the 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 Raptor R be a great one to have in the stable and. Um, of course, this new E85 uh, Challengers, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. That's 
why not go for the top of the horsepower range, you know? And um, But you don't the, know if they're uh, going to end it with the, that. So that's the other well, wrinkle is like – well, you're asking me today. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the end of because because part of the question came up was, do I buy this car now or do I wait and see if something better comes out? And you know, maybe that's a non-issue. But we we had thoughts on that too. But anyway, go ahead, keep going. Well, and and if we're throwing uh, things like McLaren in there and stuff, you know, you and I have both driven that. 720s which is one hell of a car the only car that's ever scared me when i jumped on it you know yeah and um and so i mean there's so much there and i just saw a video online of a um of a uh a lamborghini uh and have you seen this where it's pulling the front wheels off the line at a drag strip no i haven't seen that oh i mean i'm talking pulling the front wheels it it's not just going like that it's like a stock you know like a pro stock or something where it almost got air underneath so it's a um, it's a rear wheel drive lamborghini he's running slicks what's amazing is he had slicks on all four on all four wheels yeah and it started to hook up and then the front pulled up i don't know if he got air under it i've seen the nissan gtr do that with slicks and stuff you know big high horsepower And this was an Aventador. I mean, it was like, it's just like a whole new world, man. You know, it's, uh, it's so cool. And, um, and then when we see older cars get newer drivetrains, same thing. There was a 68 Camaro that had four wheel drive, um, had, uh, like a Tesla drivetrain in it or something. And it was doing a burnout at a drag strip and it was burning out all four yeah. you know tires and wheels i mean it was just it was cool but back to your question i would uh, definitely probably throw a mustang in there one of the limited edition high horsepower cars mm-hmm. um you know gt500 shelby uh and uh and definitely the mopar uh I, you know you know me i'm a gm guy but there's not anything really exciting that you know the camaros are doing so or anything my- like that my thought process was similar to yours when you mentioned like GT500s and Mopars. Uh, I, I said on, on the other show was uh, history has kind of shown that not just the fun factor, but the longevity of these cars, collectability, resale at auction is go with something with some legacy. Go with a nameplate like Shelby GT500, Dodge Challenger, something that has some history because we know they've been around for a long time and they're still trading. Um, uh, you know, I said Corvette Z06 was the top of my list because the new Z06 well, yeah, is you know, it naturally aspirated, a flat plane crank, a fantastic piece of engine you know, m- magic happening there that you're probably not going to see again. Um, Bill said, uh, you know, a friend of his was looking at the Dodge Challenger Supersport, only a hundred and something made. And he was saying, well, if I buy this now, what if this E85 car comes out and it's more horsepower? And I said, don't buy it for the horsepower. I said this, when I told Bill, I was like, you're not adopting a puppy. You do that, you're in for the whole life of that puppy, as you should be. You should not give it up. But the cars you can trade, right? So... I said, well, but you don't know if you're going to get that E85 car. And you don't know if there's going to be something else. So if you have the opportunity to go get the Supersport, go get it. 
you know? And yes, there's rumor of a ZR1. It won't have the flat plane crank, but it could be twin turbo before the EV comes out. Well, maybe you can get it. Maybe you can't get it. Maybe the markup's ridiculous. But if you can get the ZR1, get it. And if something else comes out, sell it, you know? But I was, my list were stuff with legacy, you know, the Mustangs, the Camaros, the, the, the Challengers, the Corvettes. Um, you can never really go wrong with a Ferrari nameplate. Yeah, there's a few in the lineup that have have, have gone. But down. you're right about that Z06. Forgot yeah. about it. Yeah. I, it just because there hasn't been a lot of publicity about yeah. it. I just kind of forgot about it. That's a great one. I mean, I would still, even though it's a plug-in hybrid, I would still throw my hat in the ring for Acura NSX. I don't think that was a huge oh, seller that for that car, but the Acura NSX. Uh, Nissan GTR, um, a Toyota Super even. It's not getting a lot of love, but it's got a nameplate there, and I think it's going to make a difference down the road. It's got that name to it. Uh, look, if, you, if you're able to get the NSX, especially if you can get the, the, the Type S, the, you know, the 600-horsepower one that's – I'm sure it's all sold out. But, the new uh, one, you know, yeah. yeah, a friend just got it. Uh, if you're able to get that car, I, I think that car is going to – is going to do stuff. I think that car is going to be worth some money one day. You know, so I think you kind and of go. And it's a great car to drive. Yeah, it's a cool car to drive. It's it's fantastic to drive. But you know, I there there's there's a handful of of pretty impressive of things out there right now. I mean, do you go with I you know BMW M5? You know, the competition package, you know, something like that. That's a cool car. You're probably not going to be able to get into something that cool again. You know, um, M- M3s with manual transmissions. <laughs> Anything with a manual transmission. <laughs> and this is the problem. There is a lot to choose from. When, it, when you really start opening it up, you go, man, there's a lot of great cars and trucks out there right now. And when have you ever been able to say that? Because even back in the heyday of muscle cars, there weren't trucks. There weren't muscle trucks. Yeah, they did some with stickers and a few things like that. But there wasn't anything like today. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, um, it's one of those opportunities where uh, that's why you see so many people with them. Now, the question is, do a lot of these people uh, really uh, deserve to be behind the wheel of those cars? Or <laughs> do we trust issue. them to be behind the wheel yeah. of those cars? That's a different issue. By the way, since we mentioned manual transmission, I'd be down for either one of the Blackwing, CT4, CT5 Blackwing with the manual transmission, the yes. new cars that are out. Drove them both. They're both fantastic. Drove them with the stick. They're both fun. They're very similar. One's just slightly bigger. My money's on the CT5, but... You know, I'd go CT5 Blackwing manual transmission, and I don't know what that car is, maybe $100,000, but I think that's a lot of car for a hundred grand. That's a cool car. Now, yeah, that, it's a great car. Now, we mentioned NSX. You mentioned McLaren 720S, one of my favorite supercars out there. But uh, you can't help but notice now the new Porsche 911 Turbo Sport Classic. I don't know if you've seen this yet. Uh, everyone's talking about it. Um, I've seen it some is, photos, yeah. It's the Porsche 911 Turbo, which is just one of the most amazing cars you can drive pretty much every day. But it's all-wheel drive with the PDK. 
finally they're like, eh, let's make it rear wheel drive and put a manual transmission uh, and jack up the price. We're like, okay. And now it's just <laughs> uh, but that recipe is is so attractive. It looks like so much fun. It's just got to be I haven't had a chance to drive it, but I did drive some Porsches this past weekend, which I'll get into in a second. But the 911 Turbo, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission, I think they bring the horsepower down a little bit. And who knows? It's maybe not as fast as the all-wheel drive PDK. But just the fun factor of that car, being able to get behind finally a modern-day Porsche Turbo like that and uh, and have that manual transmission and arguably a little bit lighter weight, I, I imagine, between the transmission and the rear-wheel drive. But they also did it right, like really impressive trim on the interior and, and, and all kinds of stuff for the car. So it just – it looks – it looks badass. That thing looks fantastic. It's one of those cars that, as you said, Matt, you can drive every day. You can yeah. enjoy it every day and then push it hard once in a while. I mean, it's a, it's a great car. It really is. Uh, so speaking of Porsche, um, PECLA, the Porsche Experience Center of Los Angeles, it's that track that they have down here off the 405. Um, it's a great facility. I I can't explain why I've never had the opportunity to go over there. Just never, just never really kind of fit the schedule. Been invited a few times, schedules clashed. Never really made it out there. It seems like every car guy in LA has been out there so far, and I uh, never had a chance to go out there. But um, got a call from uh, from some people over there and said we're we're doing our our cars and coffee uh, uh, morning shift events. I think again and. We kind of want to start it off with a bang, so we're bringing out a bunch of legacy cars. Um, you know, can we borrow the Porsche 935, the Paul Newman car? Uh, I thought that would be fun. Uh, Adam Carolla loved the idea. I, unfortunately, he couldn't go out there and see it because he had to do this press tour in New York. Uh, so I went down to the facility. Um, it's fantastic. They uh, they've got something like fifty two or fifty seven acres, fifty plus acres. I, I didn't even know that was there. Uh, I forgot what he said it was before that. He told me that sat that piece of land sat vacant yeah. for decades because they were going to make it a big shopping mall. Then they were going to make it housing, and then it just sat there. And the reason you didn't see it is they had built up a big dirt berm for years, and you just didn't even. You just kind of drove yeah. past it. And then when they popped that in there, it was so awesome. Uh, so you walk in and there's this reception desk and off to the right is sort of this giant room that's glassed in. And that's uh, Porsche Motorsport North America in there. And they work on some of the racing cars, but they work on client cars. It has sort of their classic like restoration division. Now, the way I understand it is they've got a lot of work. It's pretty backed up. So I don't know – they're currently taking full resto builds. But for someone like us, like we're taking the 935 to Monterey this year. And then when we bring it home, it, it the engine's a little tired. We did the turbos and stuff on it. But it might be time for an engine rebuild. That might not be a bad idea. Try to get it over to Porsche's facility and do it. Now, it'll take 10 months. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it's a cool facility to look at. Um, 
they've got a cafe there. They've got a restaurant on the second floor that uh, uh, has an outdoor balcony and it overlooks the the track. Uh, and that's what we're getting to. The front parking lot is a great place for a cars and coffee event. Um, they they did this sort of almost like red carpet walkway of of classic cars uh, leading up to the entrance. And then out back was the track. I got the opportunity to drive on the track, and uh, it's it's fun. Now, here's the cool thing. It is open to the public. You can go. You can make a reservation. I I think they're booked about a month or so out, so you want to get ahead of this. But people ask us all the time. Brad, you and I get this question a lot. Hey, man, uh, I'm coming to L.A. I want to do some cool car shit. What can I do? We always go, well, you got to swing by the Peterson Museum. That's a a must when you go out there. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you should you should try to swing by maybe like the Lions Museum, the Drag Racing Museum, if you haven't gone over there. Um, and I would say add Pecla to the list because now you can get a driving experience like you would in Vegas, like at Speed Vegas, right here in L.A., not far from you know central, you know downtown L.A. or Santa Monica and all that. And it's a great facility. Across the freeway from the Goodyear Blimp, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I had the opportunity to start my day in a 911 GT3, and you just you just hop into the car. You do a walk around with uh, with the instructor. You hop into the car, and it's there. It's running. It's set up. It's in sport mode or whatever mode they want you to to try it in. And then you kind of just do a lead follow. Uh, so I jumped jumped into a GT3. My instructor was in a Porsche Turbo, uh, the 911 Turbo, and then I just had the walkie-talkie in the car. I didn't talk to him. He just talked to me, walked through the whole process, and we did a leaf follow. And within a couple of laps, we were high speed. And uh, they're good, right? They're If you don't have a lot of experience, you don't need to go real fast. If you have more experience, you go faster. And all you do is you just end up pushing the instructor. The instructor kind of sets the pace, but you push him. If you're there, he'll go faster. If you're far back, he'll go slower. And he'll talk you through it. He talks you through about, I don't know, eight or ten laps. And then you guys just kind of shut up for a second and just focus and do it. Uh, And after you do that, uh, you can hit the... Uh, it's a drag strip. Let's not kid ourselves. It's a drag strip, but they call it uh, like an acceleration test path or something. Like they can't say high speed. They can't say drag race. Whatever the lawyers are saying, it's like it's an ex- it's a, an acceleration experiment or something. But it's a drag strip. And so you, you get go the, over to the zoom strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get out there, and um, you're the instructor's in the car with you at this time. And you get to do the launch control full throttle and and you hit it. And what's great is when you get to the end of the drag strip, you slow down and then there's this little banked turn that is an exact replica of the turn at the Nürburgring. And you only go through it at about 40 miles an hour, but you get to see how how – how deep that is, how banked that is. So you go around it and then it takes you back to the drag strip so you can hit it again. They also have – uh, a wet skid pad area, and then they have this kick plate. So you drive, you know, fifteen miles an hour, and when you hit the kick plate, it 
it kicks the back of the car out and then you you try to recover, right? And you do this all in slow motion because it's wet and it's epoxy covered ground, so it's slick. So in addition to the high-speed track and the drag race, they have a little bit of the training elements you'd find at like a bondurant school, like the skid pad stuff. Yeah, learn how to steer into it rather than get out of control and things like that. Yeah. And it's a great facility to go to because everything there is Porsche. You want to do it in a Cayenne. You want to do it in a Taycan Turbo S. You want to do it in a 911 GT3 Porsche 911 Turbo. You can. So I I spent about 45 minutes in the GT3, and then we switched, and I got into the Porsche 911 Turbo, the PDK all-wheel drive. Uh, This is a car that is – Faster than the GT3, you know, like zero to 60 and stuff. But now you're getting into all wheel drive. It had carbon ceramic brakes. It had a more comfortable seat, believe it or not. Uh, and kind of feeling the difference. So when I first got into the turbo, we get onto the track coming around a turn and you start to floor it getting out of this turn. And I was like, oh, this car is a little twitchy, like it's starting to pull. And I was like, what's going on there? And I realized this is the all-wheel drive. Now it's pulling a little bit. And it could just be 10% power in the front, but it's pulling a little bit. Right. And it was different than, than the GT3. And then in the first turn, we were already at speed, got on the brakes, and I was like, oh, this is touchy. The brakes are very grippy. And what happened is, is that's the carbon ceramic brake. And as we got a few laps into it, got some heat into the brakes, then the brakes worked fantastic, but now it, it got into a more comfortable braking, I don't know, process. Smoother feel. Yeah, it was wasn't just, yeah. yeah. Now, it, part of it is you learning it within a few laps. You know, going from the GT3 to the turbo, it's a little different. But uh, two fantastic cars. By the way, getting into the turbo, then going back to the drag strip. The launch control uh, and its performance mode, I mean, that thing, when they say 0 to 60 in, I don't know, 2.9 seconds, it, it fucking feels like it. That car is fast. I mean, and you're doing it with the air on. And I, I, will, exactly, yeah. I will say this to Porsche's credit. Um, it was a pretty hot day for us out here. It's not Vegas, but it was 85 degrees out there. We ran those cars hard the whole time. We brought them in. We parked them. We 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 just switched cars and just kept going. Like there was no heat soak. They were top performance the whole time. The brakes, everything on that car was just was just solid. And I was like, these cars. I was like, how often do you bring them in and maintain them? He's like, we beat on these cars all day, every day. They're like. Porsche's got it figured out. Like we've always talked about it being one of the best sports cars, most livable everyday sports cars. This this is a great event. And I imagine that they extract all that data to use because it probably gives them great baseline for what, you know, consumers are doing as they as they beat them and they work them hard and they let them heat up and things like that. So Gives them some great test data too. You can uh, you can sit there, but you can just go there and have lunch. You can eat a thirty dollar hamburger like I did, 
<laughs> or uh, or you could go on onto the track and then uh, I don't remember what all the costs are depending on the cars and stuff. While I was there, I asked the the instructor. I was like, "That Porsche Taycan Turbo S. I get that it's fast. It's electric. I go, how is that different on on, on the track? I mean, it's got to weigh a ton. You've got to be able to feel that weight." And he was just straight up. He's like, "That's my favorite car to drive out here." He's like, "That thing is so insane." And and granted, it's the Turbo S. It's a very expensive vehicle. He goes, the acceleration, oh, yeah. the performance. I go, do you feel the weight? He said, well, you do, but Porsche did such a great job of, like a lot of EVs, but Porsche specifically, really brings all that weight down to the middle, low. The center of gravity is low. And then I guess what we found was the weight of that car also gets it some traction. The weight makes that car stick to the ground. Like we did some high-speed stuff, but I don't think we were going fast enough for all the aerodynamics, let's say, on the GT3 to really make a difference. You know, I wasn't going fast enough. You know, I'm not a professional. I don't go to that track all the time. It's not my car. I went as fast as he would allow us you know the pace car would allow us to go the guy in front of us it seemed it was fun it was fast it put the car away with no scratches or wrecks so i feel like that's a win and uh Which is he's always good yeah that's and plus. i i think probably the weight of that of that Taycan, especially you know at the speeds that i was going which probably weren't that high uh, that probably makes a difference you probably can really throw that thing around now because it's 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 sticking but we hit we hit the wet stuff in the GT3 with the Pilot Cup Sport 2s. And he, I was going around in the circle like the drift. And I, he's like, all right. You know, he was like, go 24 miles an hour. I was going 24. And he's like, I guess those tires are sticking well today. I, it wasn't coming loose. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, you know, if you want for fun, just – blip the throttle and it'll go loose and you can start to counter. So I, you know, I blipped it a little bit. It started to come around. You start to correct. It's all still in slow motion because it's all wet and you're on the, the, you know, the epoxy ground. Uh, Right. But but yeah, on those, on those cup twos, I was going around on that drift pad and I couldn't get it to, to go at the speeds he was telling me to go. And he's like, normally it goes around. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe we got heat into them or something, but it was sticking. He's like, those things are sticking better than I thought. So we had to increase the speed. So, uh, you know, you get a really good grippy tire. I mean, maybe it was just one of those days where it was treading enough of the water that it was, it was sticking. But yeah, once you blip the throttle, you could spin that thing around real easy, which was, which was a lot of fun to do. But uh, if you get a chance, um, you should definitely go out there. And uh, I don't know what the different programs are. You can drive one car, two cars, whatever you want. Uh, I think it's about. And if you're here on a weekend, <clears throat> on weekends, they do so many special events. All yeah. my buddies who are Porsche guys, they're always over there for special events. I mean, they do them all the time. I mean, I did, I drove two cars and a total of a 90 minutes uh, session. So I was out there for about an hour and a half for the two cars. And I think you would be very satisfied with that program because like I said, they don't really, you know, tick around and, and like you just, you walk out, you get in the car right away. And then they just kind of figure out, you know, what your pace is going to be. And 
It's a, yeah, it's a cool program. It's a great, you know, you want to go over there and. Did, uh, did you ask him about uh, how many cars they've balled up over there? Some goofball comes in, thinks he's. Uh, no, more but, highly capable. you know, so we kind of touched on it. We didn't get to like a number, but honestly, um, I, I think it's very little. I think they've got a, a well enough designed program over there to avoid a lot of that. You know, um, when it happens, it's probably just a scuff or a bump, but it's still it's a scuff or a bump in a brand new Porsche. Yeah. You know, and he he points out to you, uh, you know, the areas to pay attention. I, If anything, I think. Yeah, you could you could probably spin and get off the track. It's more likely if you're going to get your palms sweaty, it's you're going in a little bit hotter into that turn or to that braking zone than the car in front of you. And I would, I would think that a lot of people, if you, if you just have like a, if you, if you don't pay attention for a second and you don't pay attention to the braking zone or how much braking pressure, then you could come in a little light meaning a little light on the brakes, right. and then the guy in front of you is coming up real fast. You're coming up on that guy, and now you're starting to feel like you can't stop. Now, good thing they're all driving Porsches because the brakes are fun- phenomenal. <clears throat> but if you come up on that guy real fast, that's when your heart starts to pitter-patter <laughs> and your palms <laughs> yeah. get a little sweaty. Now, they've done so many laps, those instructors, that they can pretty much do that whole thing while looking into their rearview mirror. Uh, so even in the braking zones and the turns, he'll talk to you on the walkie-talkie, and I'm like, "Give me a thumbs up if you're ready or if you understand." And you just and he sees you the whole time. So there's a lot of a lot of that that's going on. Uh, so I think they do a pretty yeah, so good. You're right. He's driving in the rearview mirror the whole time. He really yeah. is driving in the rearview mirror the whole time. He's got enough laps out there, enough muscle memory to know. Exactly what they're doing, and they got to pay more attention to you than they they do on what's in front of them. And then one of the things they they teach you at the track is always look ahead, look ahead, and <clears throat> doing this high speed lead follow is is an interesting exercise because you try to look ahead of the car in front of you, which you absolutely should do. But also, like, you know, when you drive the modern cars and you've got the heads-up display on your on your windshield and you kind of can look through it, well, imagine that. What you're doing is, is you're looking at the car in front of you so you can see his braking zones. You want to see where he's braking, right? But you're looking through that car or through his glass or over the roof of his car to see what's ahead. So you can – so your mind is going, I need to turn at this point because if you just focus on the brakes – and then he's gone. He's turned to the right. Now your brain's like, "Oh, I got to turn." And you're you're right. It's too late at that point. So you got to look ahead. Yeah, but, because it's where you're going to be, not where yeah. you're at. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wait till where you're at. That's when you have problems. And I, I know a lot of you guys yeah. are listening. Have done these different types of track days, and maybe you've gone to Speed Vegas or Bonder at School, or you know, or some track time, you know, Willow Springs or something. But. Uh, it's always fun to go back and be able to do this and to be able to do this in very, very capable cars. Uh, it's, it's a great time. Yeah. Yeah. You should, you uh, they're check it fun. Out. I mean, and I asked you about balling them up because I, uh, I was at Bondurant once and 
at Bondurant, they did this lead follow, and then he would wave you back. You'd go up, drop to the back. The next guy would come up. And uh, as I dropped back, the guy coming up, I don't know what he was doing. He gave it gas, went right through the corner, <laughs> put it right into the wall. Wow. And uh, it's like it's like he went to accelerate to catch up with the lead driver, the instructor driver, and was paying attention to that guy and not – that there was a turn, he never turned. Went straight through, right into the uh, right into the wall with his uh, balled up that Mustang. So, uh, and we were all like, "Oh wow, that guy!" Uh, you know, it's like, I yeah, didn't turn when he should have turned. But, that uh, that school. Yeah. So, Bondurant, which I've done as well, is that's a little different because they have a driving experience, but it's more of a driving school. There's classes, there's theory, mm-hmm. you know, there's the practice on, on the various tracks, some high speed stuff. Pecla was more of a driving experience and and I equate it more to speed Vegas, you know, the, the event we did out there and speed Vegas, you ride with an instructor and they're talking to you the whole time, you know, um, throttle, 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 break, 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 turn a little bit here, you know, the next lap, let's go a little faster. And, you know, it's a little bit of that. It's, it's a lot like that, except you're doing lead follow and the guy's talking to you on a walkie talkie the whole time, you know, so it's similar. It's similar to that. So someone, yeah, you're right. It's more of get behind the steering wheel, have a little fun. It's not a, you know, hey, push it to your limit. And and Bondurant also, some of their straightaways are really long. You really yeah. get some speed going there, you know. So, but for Bondurant, they're they're also really trying to like make you a better driver. You know, uh, we've always said right. here on the show, like anybody who's getting their license should should do some sort of driving school. You know, you should you should learn the fundamentals. You should get a little bit of that classroom time and understand what's going on i always thought that was it's helpful it's still helpful now like you, you go any one of us will go back and still learn stuff uh in that program i mean we say bonder but now it's radford school so um yeah it's radford yeah i haven't right. i haven't been to the program whatever radford's doing but i'm sure it's it's a similar program and yeah it, it would be fun is there i i haven't is there a drag racing school like that like a there's not like a there used to be like a drag racing experience. There used to be like a thing there's, where you could. There's a drag racing school though too, where yeah. you can learn how to drive a funny car or a top fuel dragster, and um, it's up Northern California, and uh, it's it's pretty. Yeah, I've I've known some guys that have gone to it, and it's pretty pretty radical. I mean, it's you know they really put you behind some horsepower. I, there's also a sprint car racing school I looked at going to once. Which, you know, you talk about wanting to go topsy-turvy really quick. You make a wrong turn in one of those and, uh, yeah. you know, you'll be head over heels real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So the, tra- the drag racing school, I want to say Frank Holly comes up the name. Is that? Yep. That's it. Yeah. You got yeah. it. Frank yeah. Holly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that- uh, Ron Tapp's brother used to be an instructor there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Larry Dixon still doing the ride-alongs in the tandem cars, the drag race car. What's that? Is is Larry Dixon still doing the the tandem? Yes, he is. The top fuel dragster, uh, where it's a experience where you get to ride with him, and yeah, he just did it. Um, gosh, I'm going to say uh, two weeks ago. I saw he posted that he that he was at one of the tracks doing it. 
And uh, yeah, it's um, he he said that he's got more reservations than he can fill right now. Yeah. Do we know but, how that program like we kind of know how it came to be? He pitched the whole thing. They built the car. But uh, how does it work now? Do you, you buy a ticket? Did they like now that he's yeah, been doing it a while? Do you do you reserve it in advance? You go to a website, you buy a ticket. I'm not too familiar. We can always ask Larry. In but, advance yeah. Because it's only certain tracks that he can do it at. So they reserve it. They show a rig, prep the car. They've got everything ready to go. And uh, you, I mean, it's full on. It's 300 miles an hour. It is a full pass. And, uh, you know, you get to do the burnout with him and everything. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, uh, um, it's expensive, though. You know, it's it's very expensive, like ten thousand bucks. But you know, it uh, it you know, it's expensive to run a top fuel dragster on nitro. Yeah, it is, and and to do it safely, and to do it, let's just face it, to do it in with insurance. <laughs> you, you, you know, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I I remember that was an issue that he talked about, like for a year as he was putting the program together. It's like he's like. He's like, we could physically do it. We could build the car. We can, we can make it safe. We can go out there. He goes, but all these other powers that be that are pushing against us that don't want us to do it, right? You know, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? What about waivers? What about that? I was like, yeah, okay. Let's see if we can get those stuff. That seems like more of a pain in the ass than anything. <laughs> well, sure it is. And and what he figured out is that let's say drag racing qualifying starts on a Thursday. They do it on a Wednesday. Because then the track is prepped. It is ready to go. It's safe. And all of the equipment is there for the race that starts the next day. So the safety safari and all that kind of stuff is there. And that's what made it all work. Because he goes in the day before. And uh, everybody's already there. They've got everything. It's not like you're out at a drag strip with just him and a couple guys and making a pass. You know? Um, Although we know the Larry, you know, he can... um, (laughs) He's the only guy to ever uh, do a 360 in a dragster and, uh, and walk away down the strip. Yeah. <laughs> he did a 360 in a dragster uh, and drove it back to the pits, got out of the car. Didn't even hit either of the rails, which was the most amazing part, man. He, he, uh, that car got out of control. He drove it around and kept going. But uh, that was that was crazy. He must have got out of that so, car and his hair was completely white. It was just like, hey, he went in there with black I hair and got out with completely gray hair. <laughs> just, a, just a crazy thing. Look, I mean, in, IndyCar does their ride-alongs as well. I'm sure there's a program on on how to learn to, to drive that stuff. But when we go out to uh, Long Beach, the Grand Prix there, they've got uh, they've got the tandem cars. they got Mario Andretti always giving rides out there and a couple of other drivers. Uh, that's fun. I've been in, I've been in one of those cars at Long Beach a few years ago. Uh, I've been yeah. in one out at uh, California Speedway. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's always fun when you get in that car and you see that wall coming and you're not in control. It's a little, yeah. you know, you're like, Oh, here it comes a wall. You're, you're going to turn, right? And then, yeah. You and know, you mentioned trust in that guy. Uh, California Speedway. Uh, I did the Richard Petty driving experience out there, drove the stock cars out there. And that yeah. program, that program is kind of a lead follow deal as well. They 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 do a little classroom time. They put you in the cars. You do a couple uh, uh, slower laps, and then you get up to speed. And now they cap it 
at something like 140 or 150. But yeah, you get to you get up to those high banking, uh, you know, turns, and then uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool experience as well. It kind of that feels like it should be a little faster. When I did it, and this was a long time ago, maybe it's it's progressed over the years, but. Um, they want to make it safe and easy for everybody, but it seemed a little too safe and easy because you get up there and you're doing 140 around there and uh, all of a sudden you're like, eh, it doesn't feel fast enough. I was like, I hate to say it, but I was doing close to 140 because I was running late and doing, get, getting out the California Speedway. <laughs> that seemed way more nerve-wracking than being in the car in a full racing suit with the helmet on and full roll cage and a guy on the walkie-talkie going – Everyone's doing 140. Let's just hold it here for a second. Everyone's like, "Yeah, we we all want to go faster." <laughs> it, it was that's a, where that's where those attorneys and insurance companies come. That's in, where man. all they those guys, all the guys that have never yeah. set foot on a track, are the ones telling right. you what you should be doing on a track. Uh, anyway, uh, what else is going on? You were reading something about um, uh. Berkshire Hathaway, because uh, EV is such a the topic, and I know we got in a little bit into the EV Blazer earlier this week with Goldberg as the uh, EV the, the GM's Blazer EV is going to be the competitor for the Mustang Mach E, and uh, uh, I like that they're going to have you know the, the various versions, the the SS version, the RS version. Um, yeah, they're coming out with an SS and an RS. Yeah, and and then ha- have the high performance variant, right? Because they don't have the Camaro anymore, um, you know, and just the Corvette. But to have a 557 horsepower Blazer EV, you know, SS that does zero to sixty in under four seconds, um, you know, big Brembo brakes and and all the good stuff on it. That's cool, and I kind of like the look of it. So, um, yeah, it's got a know. good look. It's not. They did a good job with it. That's that's for sure. They kept the roof line, you know, kind of sleek and low, and gave it a good front end and uh, big wheels. And um, yeah, doesn't look bad. It's uh, hey, we're just going to see more and more of this. You yeah, know, and the performance comes with the electric motors. But what you were asking me about is that we know that all of these uh, batteries, uh, for the most part, are lithium and. We've been getting a lot of these from China and South America and places like that because it's very toxic to mine this stuff. And we know that in China and parts of South America, they don't care about those people that are scraping the lithium off the lake beds and the, <laughs> and the mines or wherever. They, they just send them out to do it. But um, recently, Berkshire Hathaway uh a division of their company who has had 11 or 12 uh, power plants at the Salton Sea. And for anybody who's not familiar with the Salton Sea, it's basically a drying up and dying lake bed that is gigantic, just on the other side of Palm Springs. And it's um, it was formed in a very unique way. Back in the 50s, there was like a... Uh, not a dam, but like a um, an earthen-type dam that burst, and it flooded a valley for, like, months. The water kept running, and it flooded this valley and made it this beautiful lake out in the middle of the desert, and they immediately, people flocked there. It was a vacation spot. There was all these resorts, 
but then um, they diverted things and it dried up and farming and like that kept pumping water into it, but it had chemicals and fertilizers. So the lake became toxic. All the businesses went out. You can go out there and there are giant marinas that are a mile away from the water. And they, you know, they closed them up in the 70s. And they're kind of cool for explorers and like that. Well, Berkshire Hathaway, because this is a a real uh, geothermal area, because uh, if you've ever heard of the San Andreas Fault, the big fault going through California runs right through the Salton Sea. We all saw the movie with the rock. San Andreas. Yeah. <laughs> we saw it. Don't pretend so, like you didn't see it. <laughs> I, I know. It's one of my favorite. I have it on, I have it on, uh, on, on my uh, hard drive store. <laughs> I was going to say I had it on VHS, but I caught myself. Um, the, uh, but no, they, so they've been pumping this uh, steam out of there, using it for power plants. But they say they have perfected a way to extract the lithium and they are telling everyone now that there's enough lithium in the Salton Sea to power everything they can imagine in the foreseeable future, battery, lithium battery-wise, for all uses, not just automotive, all uses in America. And there will be still enough left over to power 40% of the world's needs. That's a lot of lithium. <clears throat> it is. I What... What are we going to do with all these batteries once we make them? <laughs> We're going to throw them back in the Salton Sea so that they can regenerate. Yeah. I, I imagine that's what they're going to do. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't... How about, but the question I've raised to you before, Matt, is when your motor blows up right now, you can rebuild it or you can go get a crate motor or whatever, but these batteries that are powering these cars – when they finally take their final cycle of charging, we're starting to see it right now. There was a lady that was complaining that her Tesla is sitting in the driveway and she can't afford $36,000 to replace the batteries. And, uh, you know, that's what we're starting to see. It's not just what do we do with the old ones, but people are starting to realize that a huge part of the cost of these cars is that battery. And percentage-wise, it's a lot bigger than what, the you know the gas powered motors work yeah yeah and it's kind of interesting which makes i know i guess leasing more attractive but uh you know what we've also talked about is you know tesla stopped allowing uh, the ability to buy the car out at the end of the lease and now ford is saying that they're saying hey you know on their evs if you're going to lease the vehicle there's no buyout at the end now ford is claiming correct Ford is claiming because they want to, for I don't know the exact terminology, they basically want to be involved with the life cycle of the battery, right? They want to, yeah, they want to make, be able to control how it's. Yes, of. and and I don't disagree with that thought process. Um, I I was just making the argument the other day about well, if there's no buyout, if you're just leasing the car and giving it back, you never really own it, then. <clears throat> then we need to see more accommodating lease payments. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, yeah. Uh, I, mean, 
I mean, I don't, you know you, what I'm saying? Like, you have I, no chance to buy it out. You, you don't have any chance to claim any equity in the vehicle is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, yeah. you, you want to get, you know, I don't know, $75,000, you know, $70,000, you know, EV, three-year lease, you get a $1,200 a month payment, you know, you're – you're into this thing for I don't know forty thousand bucks, and uh, you know it's it's more than half the price of the vehicle, and then you give it back. I was like, I don't know. I think we yeah, need to bring if that. You're twelve hundred a month, and you're forty eight months. You're like fifty seven thousand dollars into that. Yeah, car, you know. Yeah, uh, I just thought maybe we need to rethink that that process. Like you said, if you can't get any equity out of the car later, or even the, the opportunity to own it. Then uh, I don't know maybe that rate needs to come down. There needs to be a little bit of a, a difference between you know the purchase price and and the lease price. But uh, you know I guess we'll. And does it really make sense that they want to control the life cycle, the batteries, and like that? Because if you buy one, they don't have any control over that. So what's really the difference? Well, you so know? that it's, was uh, the issue, and and maybe this is just timing. But they're but they're announcing this. In a time where new cars are hard to get and the value of the vehicle is more than the buyout for a lot of vehicles, right? right. You know, I right. I bought my Mustang Mach 1 like right at the time, you know, uh, to where like the lease buyout on that car, the car's worth more. They're, they're trading and, you know, and bring a trailer and stuff like they're there, you know. Uh, so my buyout would be would be more now. You know, economies can change, you know, and that might not be the case, but as it is today and how as it might be for the next, I don't know, year or two as we still run into supply chain issues. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that are already in a few years into their lease. They got pre-pandemic leases and they have, you know, mid-pandemic or, you know, not quite post-pandemic, but – you know, tail end of the pandemic resale value. So in the pandemic, yeah, you know. So, uh, you know, you might be able to make a few bucks, and it's just maybe it's just bad timing that the car companies are going. Hey, you, you we're not going to do that anymore. We're like, yeah, because the cars are worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see if once it equalizes and the resale isn't as much. If they go, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. You know, you can now. Uh, Buy out your lease, and we're not worried about it. Yeah, right. Well, you that's know, that's where that lease the other race. Thing is, you drive past dealerships. Mm-hmm. You drive past dealerships, and there's no cars on the lot. You know, and they're probably thinking, "Yeah, we need those cars back, so our dealers have stuff to sell." You know, because yeah. there's nothing there. Uh, all right, so I think that's uh, that's enough for today. We've got to got to get running, but we appreciate it. Thanks for filling in. Thanks for joining us hey, today, thanks Brad. Thanks for having me on, man. It was fun. It's fun. Uh, give Brad a follow. Brad's, Brad's got a wheel company, by the way, Bond Speed Wheels. So if you like wheels, we all like wheels. Uh, go check out that wheel company, Bond Speed Wheels. And uh, follow him on uh, social media. Give a plug for your social media, Brad. It's uh, on Instagram is Bradley underscore Fanshaw. So uh, go there. It's easy to find. And that's where I post almost everything. All right. Thanks. I appreciate it. And uh, 
you know, if you liked any of this jibber jabber, give uh, Shift and Steer uh, a listen. Shift and Steer is our other podcast yeah. that we do with Aaron Hagar, but he just cackles the whole time. So, uh, <laughs> and talks about overlanding. And talks about uh, weird trucks and rat rides. Just talks about uh, overlanding and laughs a lot. Uh, overlanding. That's his new thing. That's his thing. Um, uh, it's, it's a fun show. We have a good time doing that. But uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All this month, stream the funniest films for free on Pluto TV. Watch comedy classics like Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy, and Mean Girls. Or drop in for a Tyler Perry marathon with a Medea family funeral and Medea's witness protection. Pluto TV also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows like Get Shorty, Be Cool, Key and Peel, Comedy and Color, and more. And no contracts, no subscriptions, no fees, no joke. So download the Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.